All right, race fans, gamblers, and anyone who wants to lay some coin down on NASCAR, welcome to Through the Gears. I'm your host, Mark Harris, at Skybox NASCAR on Twitter. Today, we're going to shake down what was Bristol Dirt, talk about what we won, what we lost, and what we learned, because that's most important. Then we'll turn our crosshairs to the old paperclip, Martinsville Speedway. We'll take, it to look, take a look at the odds board, as we do every week and nail down a few plays that I think have some real potential. Then we'll round out the episode by bringing you our best bet of the week. Oh, brother, Bristol Dirt was absolute chaos. Very difficult to to gamble on. Caution after caution, 360 after 360. I mean, how many of those damn things do we see? I know Mike Mack or Michael McDowell had a few. Ryan Blaney had one in front of the entire field, uh, which apparently didn't warrant a caution. And by the way, I applaud NASCAR for not throwing the caution uh, in certain instances, or at least tried not to for these single single car spins uh, when they got back going in the right direction. We've we've been asking and asking and asking for this, uh, but I believe I think they tried. Right? I think they tried this as a little test. You know, Bristol Dirt's a little gimmicky. And I think it was a combination of us being on dirt and the fact that we had so many single car spins. They wanted to keep the race going if they could. So was it consistent? Absolutely not. I know every situation is different, but like I just mentioned, you got Ryan Blaney who spins in front of the field off of Chase Briscoe's front bumper. No caution. And then Kyle Busch spins down pit road around absolutely nobody. And that gets a caution. So we got some work to do. Uh, with the quick trigger on the yellow lights. Uh, but I got to give it to NASCAR. They at least gave it the old college try, trying to keep this thing green with how many cars were going around. As for the racing, I truly believe that if there were fewer cautions, more people would have enjoyed the racing. I tweeted this out, but do me a favor. Go back and watch laps like 130 to 150. It was the final restart before the end of stage two. That was fun to watch. I mean, we had slider after slider, fourth place to the lead, slight contact, we had blocks, we had it all, right? And it was clean. There were no wrecks, there were no spins. It was just great racing. And once the track slicked off with all that rubber, it allowed for guys to run the cushion. We saw some guys running the bottom. We saw Austin Dillon somehow made the middle work driving through those freaking potholes. But the guy that I thought had the best car last week was Tyler Reddick. We saw him running down Christopher Bell there at the end. If he would have had two or three more laps, I think he would have got there. Who knows what would have happened if Chastain wasn't stuck up in the fence on the white flag. Uh, But thankfully for us, that black and white checkered flag came out at the right time, and we cashed Christopher Bell at six and a half to one. More on that later. Uh, But if I could sum up the racing at Bristol Dirt with just one statement – I'd say the racing was good. The cautions were absolutely horrendous. And the betting side of things was a total coin flip once you reach like fifth on back. I mean, some of the the contact and the racing that was happening uh, towards the back of the field was just no no skill level would have been able to overcome any of that. So trying to gamble on that, on a driver that was caught up in those things. I mean, Joey Logano is a perfect example. We're going to touch on him. A little later, but like I said, Tyler Reddick, I thought he had the fastest car. Man, that that boy was boot scooting boogieing on the top there at the end. And um, 
see Bell held him off and that, that uh, yellow and checkered flag came at the exact right time. So congratulations to him. Congratulations to us. We gave out Christopher Bell six and a half to one last week on the podcast. Now let's run through a few of those bets that we had from last week. My outright pick for the last week was Christopher Bell. But I'm not one to come on here and tout how I knew that was coming or I 100% knew that Christopher Bell was going to win that race. But I, I I did like it. I loved him to win the race. He, he showed up with speed in both of the Bristol dirt races prior. He had a top three car in last year's race. So while I didn't love the six and a half number, I liked Christopher Bell uh, for a multitude of reasons going into last week. We cash on him. Uh, we due to that we profited on the weekend and we'll, we'll roll through my my entire betting card here in a second uh, but my best bet from the week last week on this podcast was Joey Logano top 10. I think we were on the right side of that one uh, he got spun early by William Byron and then I, I switched to his radio just to see if he had anything coming from the back uh, and he did he drove up into the top 15 uh, but one of the cautions at the end of stage one or the beginning of stage two, uh, they claimed NASCAR claimed that he was like 22nd or something. Uh, and after the next restart is when he got some damage. And then it was a gigantic spiral of bad luck for old Mr. Logano. Um, like I said, while I do think I was on the right side of this one, it still shows up as a big old goose egg in the stat column and a big old L. Uh, and we never would know what, what could have happened, what should have happened, what would have happened. Uh, if he didn't get caught up and then ultimately DNF from the race. I also thought Daniel Suarez top Chevy at, at nine, nine to one was decent value based on the amount of laps that he had led in the first two races at Bristol dirt, but he had the speed of a damn snail last week at Bristol dirt. I mean, he only broke broke the top 20 for a handful of laps. But other than that, he, he had no better than a 20th or 25th place car. So I ended up fading him uh, Sunday morning when I, when I wrapped up my matchups um, to, to kind of cover this bet. And boy, was he slow. Um, I do, I, like I just said, I, I do put out my betting card every Sunday morning, uh, sometimes afternoon, if it takes me a while to get everything uh, in order. But over on my Twitter account, at Skybox NASCAR. So I want to run through a few of the bets that I had on the card Last week, uh, we did have Christopher Bell on there. You've heard it five times already. Uh, but the kid hit an outright, all right? I hit one. I have to soak it in while I can. Hitting an outright does not come easy, and it sure as hell doesn't come every week. And you know what they say, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And I'll take that as many times as I can get it, especially at a track like Bristol Dirt. Uh, we also had William Byron uh, and Denny Hamlin outright at 20 to 1. Neither of those guys had any business being at the front of the field. Uh, William Byron had maybe a 10th place car at best. And Denny Hamlin's night was over before it even got started with some damage early in that race. Um, I dabbled Kyle Larson top three at plus one fifteen, essentially as a hedge to him starting on the pole and the potential for him to go out and lead at 180, 200 laps and run away with the damn thing. But I do think he had a top five car. Uh, but his little scuffle butt with Ryan Priest took any chance of that away from us. Um, moving down the list, we we absolutely slammed Christopher Bell at a top five at plus money. And typically, when I love someone to win a race, I'll also take them top five as well if I can get 
a, a decent number, right? If you know, if you if you're betting a guy that's three to one outright, well, his top five price is probably going to be you know minus one fifty, minus one seventy five. I'm not going to touch that. Uh, but plus money for Christopher Bell was worth it to me, and it sure as hell paid off. Uh, like I I mentioned, uh, our best bet of the week, Joey Logano, top ten. That was also on the card. Uh, lost. Uh, also had Denny Hamlin top 10 and Brian Priest for a top 10. Priest absolutely had a top 10 car, maybe even a top five car. Uh, but his scuffle butt with Larson, I don't know why I love that word so much. Scuffle, scuffle butt, scuttle butt. I don't know. Regardless, those two decided to play stupid games and they both won stupid prizes. And uh, I'm over here holding nothing but a big old goose egg. As for matchups, uh, we took Hamlin over Suarez which was added, like I said, uh, Sunday morning before the race. I just saw how bad and horrendous that 99 car was in the heat races, uh, and I wanted to find something that that I could fade him on. Hamlin, uh, turns out, probably wasn't the best guy to fade Suarez with, but we ended up cashing it. Uh, Suarez was just so bad that it, it really didn't even matter as long as Hamlin was keeping it straight. Uh, we took Justin Haley over Ty Gibbs, which was a whew, that was a doozy. That was a tight one. Um, I think we were on the right side of that. Justin Haley drove straight up through the field. It took him a little while, but he drove up through the field. He's a dirt guy. Um, and, you know, t- hats off to Ty Gibbs. You know, four straight top tens, uh, a little little photo finish for a top ten with Michael McDowell. Um, but the stat sheet shows Ty Gibbs finished in the top ten. Uh, in our final matchup, we took Christopher Bell over Chase Briscoe. Once again, I like a guy that much to win the race. I may as well find a matchup to beat one other guy that I like to. So overall, we'll take the profit. We'll take the outright on Christopher Bell, and we'll move on to Martinsville. Let's talk about comp tracks for Martinsville for just a second. Uh, I think that's the best place to start every week uh, after we see what the odds makers are giving us. Most people in the industry are calling Martinsville a unique track, which I agree with most of that statement. However, uh, I'm not going to put up blinders and only look at Martinsville history to build my card this week. I'm 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 also going to take into account the two short tracks from this year in Phoenix and Richmond. Now we we have the slightly altered package that we've run this year with the small blade on the back of the car, uh, changes to the diffuser, so on and so forth. Uh, plus the knowledge that some of these teams have learned from last year to this year, like a team like Hendrick, who has had, you know, one or two cars, maybe even three, sometimes four, uh, at the front of the field, what seems like every race this year. So I think the two races uh, need to be considered, maybe not heavily weighted, uh, but absolutely considered, those two races being Phoenix and Richmond uh, from earlier this year. Now, when I am looking at Martinsville, which is about, I don't know, roughly 75 to 80% of my weight this week, I'm emphasizing the fall race. In the spring race, we had extremely cold, extremely boring race where basically the guys who started up front, stayed up front, finished up front. Uh, It was the Hendrick Motorsports show. Chase Elliott led 185 laps early in the race. William Byron came out on top. Uh, in the end of the second stage, beginning of the third stage, ended up leading 212 laps to secure one of the most boring wins in recent history. I will say they did try to spice it up at the end. NASCAR did with a green white checkered finish, uh, but it was a big old swing and a miss as Byron held on to win the race. 
speaking of boring races, that is an interesting and debatable topic for gamblers. Uh, while most of us want the races to hashtag stay green, uh, by the way, there's a reason that podcasts are called stay green, because usually when that happens, we cash our bets. But uh, in a boring race like that, if you don't have the guy that dominates the race, you either have to live bet a low number to save your day or hope for chaos late in the race like we just saw in the truck race at Texas. I mean, Nick Sanchez led 98 percent of the laps and wrecked just after he took the white flag and allowed Josevar to win. So while I expect more passing in this year's spring race than last year's, I am going to approach the weekend with the expectation that there's probably going to be one or two guys that nail the setup and lead the majority of the race in in what we've seen in years past. So let's take a, a, a peek at the odds board. So we got three to four guys up there, seven to one, eight to one, just like last week. I think the books got it right, at least at, for the top three, right? Christopher Bell, William Byron, Denny Hamlin. Uh, Chase Elliott's also sitting at seven to one, a little bit of a late add to the entry list. Wasn't expecting that. Um, but Martin Truex Jr. is at eight to one, which I do not think is warranted. And before I dive into Truex, I do want to note that the one thing that I think they got wrong here is Kyle Larson being eight and a half to one. I really don't care where Kyle Larson is on the odds board, but the fact that Martin Truex has better odds or worse odds, however you want to look at it, than Kyle Larson when Truex hasn't won a points race in over two years, I do not think that is right. That is that is just flat out wrong to me. So let's talk about Martin Truex for a second. Yes. He had a fast car at Richmond. I had him outright. I don't really want to talk about it. Arguably had the best car. You know, William Byron had a great car. Uh, like I just said, he hasn't won a points race in two freaking years. I don't understand why the books keep opening him up at eight to one. Like he, he opened up at 10 to one at Richmond. He was bet down to seven, seven and a half to one. Uh, his, but his track history at Richmond was pretty good. And it's pretty damn good here at Martinsville. But not last year. Last year, you know, not enough to back up an eight to one, eight to one number. Last year, he finished 20th and 22nd in the two races at Martinsville. But if you look at years prior to that, he's got a fourth place and then three wins. Now, I, I, I think it's a little bit of a stretch to think, OK, the books are putting Truex at eight to one because he's got three wins here, you know, five, six, seven years ago, right? I, I just, I, I think that's a stretch here. Um, back to the top three. So now now three of the top four guys uh, were also the top three lap leaders, just like last year or last week at Bristol Dirt. Same thing this week. Top three guys at the top of the board are all the most lap, most lap leaders uh, in the fall race from last year. The one outlier, you may ask, William Byron. William Byron not only did not lead a single lap in the fall race, but he was 15th in total speed ranking, which is, I mean, that goes without saying that he was dominant in the spring race, but uh, that was pretty bad. Uh, but the other guys at the top of the board, minus Chase Elliott, also weren't anything to speak of and damn sure doesn't warrant the top of the board. So I think the Byron number is probably pretty heavily influenced by his speed this year, which I do think warrants seven and a half to one. There is a possibility of the inaugural oval rain package this weekend at Martinsville. Sunday, 
There's a 50% chance of rain, according to rookie meteorologist over here, Mark Harris. Definitely not as not nearly as convincing as uh, the weather app was last week at Bristol Dirt, where it was essentially guaranteed to rain out practice and qualify or a practice on Friday afternoon. So, of course, Mother Nature is trying to make it difficult for us, uh, doesn't want us to have the luxury of practicing qualifying. And as we saw at Richmond, doesn't look like NASCAR is willing to throw these guys out there uh, in a damp session with the rain, the rain tires. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, it, it's probably they're probably only going to consider it for the race. And I'm pretty sure they're not going to throw it out there when it's pouring down rain. Uh, we've seen that show before <coughs> Coda 2021. Um, but there is a chance. And uh, if that is the case, if someone told me right now that it was 100 percent going to rain on Sunday, I would not bet this race like I am right now. But as my dad would say, you never base your plans around the weather. So what are we going to do? We're going to gamble on Martinsville like we would any other race. So let's jump into some plays here. We going back to the well once again this week for round two. Christopher Bell, top five, plus 130. Yes, I know he's the favorite. He was the favorite last week. He's the favorite this week. But having the guy at the top of the board for a top five at plus money is music to my ears. He won the fall race last year. He led 150 laps. He had the second best total speed ranking last year in the fall race. Uh, he finished fourth at Richmond a few weeks ago with the third best total speed ranking, and he finished sixth at Phoenix earlier in the year with the fourth fastest total speed ranking. I know I just threw a bunch of numbers at you, and if you didn't catch all of it, the only thing you need to know is that Christopher Bell in the last three comp tracks has either won the race, finished in the top five, or had a top five total speed ranking. And total speed ranking sometimes tells more of the story than the finishing position does uh, shout out Ryan from iFantasy Race with his asterisk report. So now let's jump into our best bet of the week. We're, we, I, I keep finding myself going back to this top 10 market week in and week out. Last week, it didn't turn out well for us. But so far this year on Oval's top 10 bets have been returning a pretty nice profit for us. Um, I, I, I think it's a little bit, you know, the market is... Uh, it's interesting. It, it's it seems like it's a little bit more open than some of the other markets, and I don't know if that's a you know I think it's a combination of they don't really know what to do with it sometimes, and then also some of the other markets are are nearly unbettable, and so I feel like I truly do have an edge when it comes to top ten. So we're going Alex Bowman top ten plus one ten uh, on an oval. Look, there's 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 rules to this game. I don't make the rules. I just abide by them and I play them accordingly. So going back before Bristol Dirt last weekend, so throw Bristol Dirt out, Alex Bowman started the season finishing in the top 10 in seven out of the first eight races. The only outlier was a 14th at, at Atlanta. And the books are still giving us, giving him to us at plus money. Another little nugget I have here is the only driver in the cup series to average a top 10 finishing position is Alex Bowman at 9.9. .9. He's barely hanging on by a thread, but as a, a stat is a stat and I'm freaking sticking to it. Thank you guys for listening. This is through the gears. Thank you guys for giving your boy a chance to throw out some damn winners Thank you to everyone at Front Stretch, and the only thing that I wish for is to cash some damn bets. Sayonara.